0: Hello and welcome to the Worcester Warriors podcast with myself, Jeff Barkley, Worcester Warriors report at the Worcester News. It's crunch time in the Gallagher Premiership as Warriors head into their remaining three games, desperate to avoid the drop. A bonus point victory over Sale Sharks has moved Warriors seven points clear of bottom club Newcastle Falcons. However, there's still work to do to retain their top flight status as they face local rivals Gloucester at Six Ways this weekend. Ben Howard has endured a few relegation battles during his time at Warriors before his departure last summer, and he joins me on the line to look ahead to Sunday's local derby. Ben, how are you? I'm oh, good, thank Jeff. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, it's obviously a big match uh, for Warriors on the weekend. Um, obviously, with, with uh, Gloucester riding high in third position, it's, uh, it's, going a, it's going to be a tough challenge. Yes, yeah, definitely. always
1: will be um, against Gloucester, but we've had some good games against him over the years, particularly at six ways, so um, hopefully the lads can can pull through and pull something out of the bag on Saturday. I think, um, you know, the way they went against Sale, um, confidence should be rightly high in the camp, and um, I think one more good result this weekend, and the the relegation fears that you spoke about will hopefully be relinquished.
0: Yeah, so do you think confidence will be high now after the uh, Sale win?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think speaking to the guys as well, uh, you know, I caught up with a few socially last week, and there's no, there's no fear of, of relegation, as it were, and I think it sounds a really stupid thing to say and uh, not something that potentially fans would want to hear, but guys do have experience of, of these sorts of battles of being in this position, and I think that counts for a lot as well. Um, I don't think anybody within that camp thinks that Worcester well, will be getting relegated this year, and I don't think they have any reason to think that either. I think it's just a case of putting together a couple of performances which, you know, one of those came against Sale and, and Gloucester at home, there's no better game to sort of go out and put it all on the line you know, I certainly don't see any reason why um, the boys can't come away from six
0: ways this weekend with a positive result. And obviously it's at home as well. Do you think that'll have a a big um make a big difference?
1: Definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've seen the flags will be out. So, um, you know, hopefully hopefully it'll be a big crowd down at Sixways waving the flags and, you know, those are the days that everybody in the camp wants to be involved in and it certainly adds that extra five percent to any performance having that crowd support and you know, I think some of, the, some of the best performances this year have been at six ways, and, and you know, usually are. So um, again, you know, that's, a, that's an added factor this weekend, where if they boys can start the game right, put pressure on, put pressure on Gloucester, and, and sort of nullify their attack, um, there's no reason why it can't be a successful day.
0: There's quite a few um, departures announced last week, but it, you know, it's been confirmed that, that Niall it has resigned uh, for the club um, as a f- former teammate of his. Uh, how pleased are you by that by that news?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. Um, Love Niall to He was, uh, you know, one of, my, one of my best mates at Worcester, and he still is one of my best mates. I was with him just last week, and uh, I think, as I said in, in an article with yourself, there's no, there were more deserving in my mind um, from the sort of adversity that he's faced over the past couple of years, both through injury and then having to sort of fight his way back in through selection, which we all know can be a bit of a minefield. Um, I think he should be really proud of himself for what, what he's done so far, and I think his, his contributions to the club over the last five years can't be underestimated. So and um, hopefully many more years to come for Nile and sort of look forward to seeing him hopefully kick on now and um, you know he's a more experienced player and he's got a lot of premiership experience under his belt so um, that's certainly the sort of player that the Warriors will want in their squad team for him.
0: And having played with him, so how, how good is he, you know what are his biggest attributes?
1: Um, he's got terrible banter, so that's not, that's not one of them. Uh, um, and he's, he's good on the Guinness, so that's strength. But no, I think uh, on the field he's just—he's uh, a leader. Um, he leads by example, and I think there's a lot to be said for, for knowing your job and doing it well. And he's a calm head under pressure. And he hits his line out. He's a very strong scrimmager And he gets around the park. He's a great ball player. And he, you know, I don't think he'd mind me saying he's not—not not the biggest carrier, but. Mm. He, you know he, he carries well, and um, and I think having him in the side and having him in the squad and having him around day to day at the club, um, you know he's potentially one of the most valuable members of the squad in that respect.
0: Yeah, and obviously among the departures, um, you know Johnny R will be leaving the club at the end of the season. Um, I imagine you, you struck up a, a good relationship with Johnny during your time at the club.
1: Yeah, he's exactly the same. Um, another very good friend of mine, you know I wish I'm a little bit surprised that. The decision to let him go, I think, you know, what Johnny brings is, is something quite unique in terms of being able to control that game and, um, you know, a very strong kicking game and again, knowing, knowing where he needs to be and defensively very strong. So I think there certainly, in my mind, would have been a place for him, but, um, you know, it's an extremely exciting time for him now to sort of go out and, and try something new. He's been a Worcester boy his whole life and, um, you know, I certainly know that he's very excited to sort of get out into the world and, and see what's going on, whether rugby or otherwise and, um You know, again, he's he's sort of embodied everything that you know, all that's good about the club. Guys like him and him and Penns, Chris Pennell, um, you know, those guys having them in the squad and that consistency of having them there. um, You know, they're they're, again similar to Niles, similar Mm. to guys like Ryan Mills. They really add a lot to that squad environment. And and no matter what's been going on around the field and off the field in terms of coaching changes or ownership changes or anything, um, having that consistency within the playing squad and those guys that you can rely on that's incredibly valuable especially
0: for for a club like Worcester yeah so you're, you're a bit disappointed to see him um, see him not be retained because he's like I said he's, he's you know Worcester through and through and he's given so much to the club hasn't he sort of over the past 23 yeah, years which is incredible
1: yeah I mean it's, it's not so much a sentimental thing I think you know it's a professional mm. sport at the end of the day but um, I just feel that you know it's certain Certain sort of things can be said about Johnny, which, which aren't always correct. And I think his, his value is, is often sort of an unsung value in terms of mm. his consistency with his box kicking is tremendous. His consistency defensively is tremendous, and knowing what he's doing. And I think having a guy who's thirty who's thirty years old is like I mean, old is he? I know he looks looks about eighteen, but um, thirty years old and has played has played you know over two hundred times for the club and has played a hell of a lot of Premiership rugby. Yeah, having those sorts of guys in the squad is is incredibly valuable, and they'll always add value. So, um, you know, if, was, if I was DLR, which I'm not, um, you know, I probably would have looked to keep him. But as I said, it's an opportunity for Johnny now to to go out and do what he thinks is best for him, and that's tremendously exciting as well. So, um, you know, it's,
0: it's good either way. Yeah, um, and obviously, as I touched on um, earlier, you know, you left the club uh, last summer. You know, during your Warriors career, you scored 16 tries in uh, 64 games. Uh, he played a key role in the promotion-winning campaign in the 2014-15 season. So, how do you look back at your your time at the club now? Um, very fondly, very mm. fondly. Um, I think it was a, an opportunity for me to achieve some, you know,
1: a lot of my childhood dreams in terms of playing professional rugby, playing Premiership rugby, um, you know, international recognition with with the Twenties and the Sevens as well. So, um, you know, ultimately, incredibly fondly. I think there's no no sort of secret that my last couple of years were incredibly frustrating and, you know, having had a, a couple of sort of half starts in terms of getting games in the team and, and playing well and thinking that I'd performed and then, you know, ultimately that not leading to further selection. And, and, and it obviously be deemed as very frustrating, I think at the time it was, but I think when you step away from those sorts of environments and have a bit of time waste, make you realise how incredibly lucky I was to, to have those seven years, the experiences that I had, the friendships that I made, and ultimately, you know, the qualities that it's given me to, to progress in what I'm doing now. So, um, you know, I'd always be incredibly grateful for Wor- to Worcester. And I think, you know, that's a sort of message that I'd leave with, with any people who are leaving clubs. You know, whether Worcester or other clubs in professional sport, I think quite often players can become a bit bitter or, or can, you know, can sort of take things personally or, you know, hold grudges, which I just don't think is the right way to go about it. I think, you know, every person involved with the club, especially from a fan's point of view, Mm-hmm. You know, there's a ton of incredibly passionate fans that deserve success and, and people like Cecil Duckworth as well deserve success and, you know, I just hope that the club sort of keeps progressing and, and you know, can start pushing up that league and, and give fans a few more days like, you know, the championship. Although nobody wants to be in the championship, winning, mm-hmm. winning, winning that season was incredibly good fun and, and, you know, some of the fans had some really good days out there. So, you know, that would be great to see moving forward. But, but yeah, ultimately, I had a great time and great. wouldn't change any of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember remember when you made your debut at Leicester Tigers in um, September 2012, Uh, what what was that like when you, um, you know, to to face uh, someone like Leicester, you know, on your your debut? Yeah, that was was, a dream come true, obviously,
1: 19 years old and a lot of those guys a couple of years before you'd been watching as a school guy and been watching them in the premiership and then to be playing against Watford Welford Road was, was an absolute dream I'm sure I think that whole, whole pre-season really because when I joined the academy it was still you know, a full-time large academy there was 20, 20 on of his training with Andrew Stanley and, and Gary Meakin and it was very much although you had guys sort of three years in who would progress and train for the first team squad and play for the first team and the academy was still very very separate and you know there's arguments to be made that that was a strong academy system and it obviously produced a lot of players but following that first year they kept I think, three or four of us on um, and obviously integrated in with the first team squad um, and that pre-season I think I got my first pre-season game away at Cardiff Blues basically down to I think Josh Brown knew he ended up going to a wedding which he hadn't told Hilly about Right. Uh, so one so about the Tuesday I was told I was selected which Obviously having spent a year full-time academy nowhere near the first team was was quite a big shock and I sort of went okay in that game and then ended up having a new contract there the next week and then you know by the end of that pre-season I played quite a few games selected in England in the 20s and then I was on the bench for the first premiership game that year against Bath and didn't get on and then to get on against Leicester was was obviously incredible but it was sort of a you know real real whirlwind really because I joined, joined Worcester at 18 not really knowing what to expect.
0: About the academy, obviously working under Andrew Stanley and Gary Meakin, How, how have you sort of seen, how did you see that, um, you know, the situation with the academy change what, during the time that you were at the club?
1: I think it's, it's a weird one, really. I think I was sort of the last generation of, I call it the old school academies, where, you know, for example, you had guys in the squad, you know, guys like Sean Perry and Good, who were real old school in the way that the academy boys were treated. And, you know, I think also nowadays, in terms of, Everybody wants in one big squad and, and that sort of mantra that you want. Ultimately, to come in as, a, as an 18-year-old fresh out of school, a lot of guys come in nowadays and they think they know it all. They think they're, they're really big balls and mm. best things for sliced bread. And actually to have that process where you're, you know, made to know that you're bottom of the food chain and, you know, things like the team room. I was, you know, there was only a couple of us allowed in the team room at the time. We weren't allowed certain kits, such as vests, You know, somebody wanted a tea or a coffee, I think I wanted a whole... A whole bus trip to the airport, just made some teas and coffees for everybody on the bus. <laughs> yeah, although that sounds a bit. And Andy Goodie used to want his coffee. It's called it six and a seven. So I used to have to stir it six times one way, seven times another. And yeah, you know, it sounds barbaric. And I think if you do it nowadays, people would be thinking, well, it's not. You know, it's certainly not something you do in a normal workplace, and you know, it's potentially not the best way. But actually, you know, when you then get that chance in the first, you know, when, the, when these guys then accept you. Um, you know, ultimately, you're respected a lot more by them, and and you ultimately go about it in a bit of a, you know, a bit of a more grounded way. And I think some of that's been lost more recently. I think guys come in now at 18, and you know they're straightening around that first team squad, and you know for a couple of young lads it can sort of go to the head a little bit, which didn't seem to happen back in the old days. But mm. yeah, you know, that's just my, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, other people might see it differently. But um, that was that was the main change, really. I think um, yeah, but then. You know, there's there's different arguments where people might say, well, getting these guys involved early. You know, you see a lot lot more guys making their debuts at 18, 19 now than you essentially did before. So, yeah. but you know, from a from an off the field point of view, I always like to to see a academy boys acting in a humble manner, um, yeah. which I think the thing that I went through certainly hopefully uh, produced
0: that. Yeah, I mean, it seems now the academy lads are, are really involved in training and and you know, in the sort of day to day. Part of, parts of the club really, they seem to be really integrated. Was, was that not the case before, are, are they more so now? was, it was, it
1: was. So I think the academy trained separately before and, and I think that sort of gave you that chance. I mean I joined Worcester at skinny, 6 foot 5, 80 kilos I think, bean pole. And, <laughs> and having that first year sort of out, you know, training full time, that's a big old shock to your body. That first pre-season, I remember I used to get home and just sleep all day. And you know, you doing doing I think I got on fifteen kilos in that first season, ended up around ninety five kilos. Um, and, and also just the skills and learning how to play, you know, professional men's rugby coming from school rugby. Having you know, sometimes it sometimes takes guys a little bit longer to, to integrate into that. And I think there's a worry that, you know, if you come in at eighteen, those those guys are expected to be at that level straight away. And mm. if they're not, you know, you can often get written off both by senior guys and also by coaches and then throughout that year, you know, there's plenty of guys who've done a year at Worcester who taken study or any club I think and, and taken a year out of study and, and done it and actually all they've done is become really good at FIFA, really good at table tennis, they've drifted through sessions, they're not really, you know, they're not really thought very highly because they've potentially turned up a little bit upset or, or didn't perform in those early sessions and you know, there's a lot to be said for having that sort of incubation period in an academy only setup and then built it into the first team squad when you're ready mm. um, I think, you know, there, there isn't, there simply isn't the numbers within sessions 20, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-olds jump in with an already 30 to 40 first-team squad. So, you know, what often happens is the guys train separately anyway. Um, but having that bit more structure around those guys training separately, you know, certainly when I remember there's a few few times where the young lad at Worcester would just be sort of left off at the side and, mm. you know, the session potentially will not be as useful as it could be for them. So I think, you know, there's argument's both ways. Ultimately, if you're good enough, you're going to end up in and around that first-team squad and, and rightly so.
0: So, do you think there should be maybe look at slightly adjusting the way way things are run, really, just to um,
1: just? Uh, to, you know, I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I, I, I mean, if you look at the guys that are coming through, I don't think there's any question that, mm. that it's as strong as it's ever been. You know, so I think maybe it's just maybe it's just my musings from you know from a, a very distant standpoint. And I think guys like Jim Gale there and Cheese, Mike Hill, Gordon yeah. Ross. You know, they're incredib- incredible coaches who've, who've brought through the likes of you know Perry you all the guys, you know, Ted Hill, Vex, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's Zach Sharupa, who unfortunately has been let go, and, you know, he's been really unfortunate with injuries, but he's a hell of a player, and, you know, I really hope he finds somewhere, and, and sort of stays injury free and kicks on, so you know, there's a ton of guys who've come through that system, and, and, you know, potentially more so than around my time, so, you know, I think having them in and around it is is great, and, you know, I, I potentially wouldn't change anything, but I think it's just something to be aware of, that, you know, people develop in different ways at different speeds, and I think it's just ensuring that, you know, everybody's got that opportunity to to really progress. Which you know, I think I think people I think they do do a good job at it. You know, at the end of the day, it's a full time environment with a lot of pressures, and you know, the thing that matters is that first team on the Saturday. So it's just a case of, of sort
0: of balancing it best as possible. I think. Just looking at your your time at the club, I mean, you know, you have to come up against uh, someone like Chris Pennell, you know, for the for the fallback, um, position. How difficult was that? Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: No. It's, I mean, I love bits, and you know, he's a great guy and an incredible player. So I think, you know, obviously I was always sort of understanding to him, and yeah, I think a couple of times even if you know you'd perceive that you're doing better than him, I think his, his sort of consistency and that fact you could rely on him would always sort of give him the nod in those in those games. So I think you know that was always something that I sort of made peace with. You know, it never stopped me. Obviously, being hungry, and you know, there was times when I potentially thought, you know, especially around that championship season, where you know, I potentially thought I was performing a bit better and, and could have been involved in more games when when he was fit. But um, you know, the coaches were good about keeping me keeping me hungry, and, and I always was really. So I think, you know, that what he's what he's given to the club, and you know, his level of consistency over the years, and and with the injuries he's had, it must be said, um, you know, to still be doing it. And to signed a new contract now as well. Mm. Um, you know, it's testament to him as a guy, and you know, I think everybody that you'd ever speak to would, would speak about his professionalism and how he is around the club and how he conducts himself, and you know, how he's always sort of striving to, to be better and, and to do those skills well. and I think that's ultimately it. I think uh, you know, although, you know, potentially I had those moments where I could have done something, you know, a bit more, you know, a bit more sort of attacking or made something happen a bit better than he might have been able to do, and ultimately, you know, I, I dropped quite a few high balls and. I shanked quite a few kicks whereas uh, you know missed quite a few tackles whereas you know you could always rely on Chris to, to, to sort of do everything incredibly well and actually have those moments of magic I mean that offload he did against London Irish I think and mm. if-
0: Um, it looks like next season he might face a bit of competition with uh, Milani and I coming over I think he's been operating quite a bit at 15 um, in Super Rugby how do you think uh, pens will sort of respond to that challenge
1: yeah I think it just depends I think the um, I think as you've seen the guy the, the premiership itself is a very different league to, to Super 15 and I think you know it's, it's not as open and I think a lot of what you need from a fullback is taking those high balls you know on a wet Friday night on a wet, wet Saturday in the winter and you know, if, if teams are employing a tactic where everything up to their 10 metres and they're kicking it on you well there's anybody better than Pence to be under that and, and likewise kicking game you have to have a strong kicking game at 15 in the premiership um, so you know with guys like Bryce and, and Joshie leaving it could be a case that uh, that he gets moved out to the wing and Pence keeps his birth at fullback but you know that's that's something to be seen and um, you, you know Christians had had plenty of competition you know it was every class before me and then it was mm-hmm. me and then you know, there's arguments for you know when Josh Adams was playing at 15, he was doing out of a job, and you know there's arguments to keep him there at the time. So, um, you know, he's he's no stranger to that. And, and the thing about Chris is, is, you know, although he's a really really nice guy, he's also incredibly competitive, and he doesn't give an inch to to anybody who's sort of threatening his position. So, I know he'll uh, he'll keep striving to improve, and I'm confident he'll he'll be in and around it for a little while yeah.
0: In, in terms of your final season at the club, so how do you? How do you assess that? And uh, when did you sort of realise that you know maybe your time at Worcester was sort of coming to an end?
1: Uh, probably About a year before my final season. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I sort of, it was a weird one for me because I, I started university. Um, I'd always sort of had at the back of my mind that the rugby might not be forever, and I was keen to do a degree. And, and Lynette Cutting, who's back. Yeah. I was actually incredibly good at, at helping the guys out in terms of getting people into qualifications and, and sort of thinking about the next steps and I started a degree at Birmingham University which um, I did a full-time degree as well which is quite unusual for, for rugby guys most of, most of the boys do sort of part-time or distance learning but I was keen to get a full-time one done um, and by starting that I sort of tied myself to be to being close to Birmingham so although I wasn't playing and you know potentially should have if I was thinking purely rugby should have got myself out on loan for some championship rugby you know, I didn't do that. I sort of stuck around and, and said, you know, I want to go to these lectures. I want to get this degree done. So, you know, although I wasn't playing at Worcester, I then wasn't really playing elsewhere, which coming to a final season, especially, you know, when you're looking for other clubs, they want to be seeing guys who are playing and they want to see evidence of that. And, you know, I think it, I got injured as well um, playing for the Sevens early on. So that, you know, missed the first sort of set of Anglo Welsh Cup and, and European games. So you're sort of already on the back foot. And, um, you know, I sort of went away with the 7s and was hoping that that would come off and unfortunately that wasn't to be um, with, with their sort of budget, budgetary situation and all that kind of stuff so, you know, it's a, a little bit frustrating ultimately I think, you know, as everybody would I sort of, certainly, you know, people would back themselves and I'd always back myself to be able to, to have performed at, at premiership level and, you know, would have liked to have been given more opportunity to, to do that and I think, you know, every time that I played for Worcester you know, getting a run season being a, a primary example of that. So I think to sort of have that
0: one this season what, what's it been like um, you know competing at that level and, and obviously playing with uh, old Arthamians uh, it's,
1: been, it's been good it's been enjoyable it's been a bit of a frustrating season I, I injured my wrist early on um, a bit of a weird injury and was out for, for three months but I think um, you know you actually grow kind of in an office and then mm. go and try and try and sprint around or try and switch on to, to do a really intense session and League, and you know, unfortunately, I think we're going to the last game this weekend, and we're second place in the league, so uh, by five points. So.
0: The work side of things as well, going back into sort of maybe like a, a normal job uh, as you were. Like, what, what's that been? What's that been like?
1: Uh, it was a shock at first. It's a shock at first. I sort of moved down to London, and uh, you know you have to sort of pay to breathe down here as well, which is a bit <laughs> tough. Um, so yeah, so it's, a, it's a big old shock for me and my girlfriend Meg, who uh, came down, and uh you know both started work down here. And for me, it was my first first real job, I suppose, in terms of working Monday to Friday, nine to five. So but I'm used to it now and you know, it did take a little while with the rugby as well. I was of picking up a few niggles at the start of the season which, you know, just silly things like a tight quad or a tight hamstring because, you know, you just sat down all day and then go and start trying to sprint around and mm. you know, you're expecting to be as quick as you were or as fit as you were, and it just doesn't happen like that when when you're not training full time. So touch frustrating, I wasn't quite impacting games as, as much as I would have liked to, but as I said it's been it's been great to sort of get my foot in the working world and you know, for me personally that was a option to, to seeking out something like a, a full-time championship contract, you know, as, as I alluded to with, with me getting my degree done and, and that kind of stuff, I think, um, you know, I'd always, I'd always looked at taking this sort of route um, as opposed to sort of taking one of, those, one of those other full-time contracts that's available. So that was, you know, that was my take on it. Other people are different, but, um, you know, that's where I was at with it and I'm, I'm happy with, with what's happened,
0: really. What are your plans uh, for the summer? Uh, am I right in thinking you're off to Australia?
1: See what's happening with the rugby here, and um, yeah, start my new job, which will be sort of real, sort of getting into it. Then I think so. Uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be that.
0: What will, be the, what will the standard like be uh, out in Oz? Uh,
1: so Shoot Shield is just below Super Rugby. So right. within New South Wales, which is obviously um, Sydney, and they've got the Waratahs, and then below that, there's a 12, 12 team te- uh, twelve team league, sorry, called Shoot Shield. Mm. Um, so I think yeah guys like Orky Slowick left Worcester um, a couple of years ago and went out and played but I think it was South out there um, and a couple of other guys guys Tom Stevenson he was at Saints he went out and played for Randwick I think um, I know him so yeah so there's quite a few guys who've been out and, and played and everybody's spoken really highly of it in terms of both the life experience point of view but also um, you know the rugby itself is, is really good they get sort of quite a few thousand people watching each game and the final, you know, the grand final gets sort of 15,000 people watching it. So it's, uh, you know, for a sort of subsidiary tournament, as it were, it's, a, it's really, really good and well-supported.
0: Fantastic. And obviously you're only uh, 26. I mean, are you looking to return to the premiership one day or, or, or do you see that as behind you now?
1: I think I think that's sort of done now, yeah. I think, um, I, sort of, as I as I alluded to earlier, I've looked at, you know, potentially sevens would have been my, my primary option last year um, as opposed to a sort of championship. Contracts and, and dropping down. I think you know if you drop down into a championship, I don't see that as a sort of you know a long term thing. I think you'd want to do that for one two years and, and try and get picked back up, picked back up. Um, and you know I certainly kept kept options open this year and sort of spoke to spoke to a couple of clubs and looked at a couple of options that were available to me. But I've managed to get onto a grad scheme now, which I think you know if you're looking sort of for the next 20, 30, 40 years of as depressing as it is, as something that you're going to be doing for that period. Um, you know, actually I'd prefer to do that and, and still play rugby, obviously, at, at National 1 level. But, um, you know, I think in terms of full-time rugby, I had to sort of ask myself the question, would I, you know, would I still have had the drive and determination and, and willpower to put in as much effort as I was at 18, 19, 20 at Worcester when you're trying to prove yourself, you know, at 26, having, you know, having achieved, you know, my goals of playing Premiership and, and, you know, playing European Cup and the twenties and stuff. And I think the, you know, the honest, real honest answer to that was that, you know, my priorities in life now have, have changed ever slightly. You mm-hmm. know, I still love rugby. I still, you know, love watching the Premiership and, and watching all that. But I think the, the chances of me going and having had, you know, even if you have the best season of your life in the Championship, you might not get picked up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you get picked up, I could go back to to never playing and, and being a squad player, and then you know, before you know, it, you're twenty nine, thirty, and you know, you're then coming out and doing what I'm doing now. So, um, you know, for me personally, it was it was a case of wanting to get established professionally. Whilst I can, a bit sooner, um, and then you know still play rugby alongside it. But I think yeah, that was that was my decision. So you know, mm. right or wrongly, um, you know that's sort of what I've gone with. And as I said, everybody does it
0: differently. But but that was my point of view on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, unfortunately we've run out of time. But you know, thanks for coming on, and um, all the best in in Australia and obviously with your new job as well. Brilliant. No, thanks very much for having me, Jeff. Great no, talk. no problem. Uh, can I just get a quick prediction on uh, on on Sunday? How do you think it'll uh, go?
1: I haven't seen the weather forecast, but we'll hope for weather like the bank holiday weekend. And if it is, I think it'll be quite high scoring, but I
0: predict Worcester 36-22. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, uh, I'll be at Six Ways on Sunday to provide live coverage of Warriors Derby against Gloucester and hope to produce another podcast soon. In the meantime, keep picking up the Worcester news and visit www.worcesternews.co.uk forward slash sport for all the latest on Warriors. Thanks for listening.